There we go. Hello, everyone. Today we will be studying the third chapter of Sefer Shoftim for Tuesday, February 27th. These are the nations that Hashem let remain. As you recall, chapter 2 gives us an idea of what the cycle of the book of Shoftim is going to look like. And here we read about the beginning of that cycle. As the Torah says, these are the nations that Hashem let remain. The Nasus Bamisol to test the Jewish people. Will the Jewish people realize that they have to follow the ways of Hashem? and destroy the altars, destroy the idolatry around them in order to see success. Right? They did not merit to see the miracles, so they need to learn this message that Hashem's involvement with them will be dependent on the fulfillment of mitzvahs. There remained only that the generation of Israel would know to teach them warfare. In other words, the generations before didn't need to know laws of warfare, because Hashem was with them. Every single victory was miraculous, even if it appeared as if it was natural. However, this generation will have to learn the ways of war. Those before did not learn this. And who remained, who had not been wiped out? Look at that. The five governors of the Philistines, the Canaanite, the Sidonim, they were from the plain of Hermon to the approach to Hamas. They were there to test the Jewish people. Will they listen to the word of Hashem? Who had commanded their forefathers, Biad Moshe through Moshe. The Jewish people were very close to the Canaanim, to the Chiti, the Mori, the Prisi, the Chivivayusi. Oh no. They took their daughters for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons. And they served their gods. Wow. That was a quick downturn. They're doing bad. And they forgot their God. And Hashem was very upset. Hashem gave them, sold them to the hand of Kushan. And Benesol then had to serve them. So eight years, really eight disastrous years. Then finally they realized how low they fell. And the cycle begins. Hashem sets up a Moshia, a savior. Who is this first Shofet? Asniel ben Kenaz. You might recall Asniel ben Kenaz. He was that man who stood up to conquer the city of Devir. Rekalev had offered, whoever conquers the city for me, I will give my daughter. So Asniel ben Kenaz was known as a Torah scholar in here. What do we hear? Hashem. The spirit of Hashem rested upon him. And he judged the Jewish people. And he goes into battle. And Hashem gives Kushan into his house. And into the hand of Asniel. And the land is quiet. So 32 years. That's not bad. 32 years of quiet. However, the cycle begins again. Because once the judge dies, they go back to step one. And the Jewish people add to their evil ways. And then Hashem always finds an enemy. And Hashem strengthens Eglon Malach Malaf. Eglon doesn't do it alone, but rather he gathers others. Amalek. We never liked Amalek. Never a good sign. And they go and they hit the Jewish people. They inherit, they, they take a city that had been owned. So in other words, not only are B'nai Israel not conquering more 
land, they are losing land. And the Jewish people were served to serve Eglon. Shemar Eshashan for 18 years. The Vayizaka Ben Esau, they cried to Hashem, and Hashem finds a savior. As Ehud Ben Geira, we have a Shofet named Ehud. What's hard to remember about the Shoftim is they last for very short. Again, we get to kings, and some of them will last very long. And of course, we had Yeshua. With the Shofet, we just had a few psukim about Asniel Ben Kenaz. Now we have another one, Ehud Ben Gora Ben Hayyaminis from the tribe of Binyamin. Sheiter Yadi. Mino, he happens to be a lefty, and we'll see why that's important. He says, you know what? Let's send a present to Eglon, so the name of the king who they were fighting, who had amassed in other nations along with him. So his name was Eglon, and Ehud had this assassination plan. But Yaslo Ehud Cherves, he sends a present. He brings him a present. Ehud makes a sword, a double-edged sword, and we'll see why that's important. Very long. He puts it on his right side. Or generally speaking, people are righties, hence they put the sword on their left side of their belt. However, Ehud was a right, was a lefty, so he put the sword on his right side. We're not be noticed. He brings the present to Eglon. And Eglon is very healthy. And when he finishes bringing the mincha, so Torah tells us he returned from the cores near Gogol and said, I have a secret matter for you. In other words, I would like all of your attendants to leave. Okay. I love all the Attendants leave from him. The Ehud but a love Ehud comes close to him. And Ehud mentions a word. He said, I have a word of Hashem to give to you. Ehud gets up from his throne. Which is an unbelievable thing. that The Gemara actually praises Ehud ben Gora for respecting the mentioning of God's name. Ehud says, I have a word of Hashem for you. And he stands up. He had some recognition of God's power. Maybe not the only God, which is, of course, idolatry. But he had respect for Dvara like him. What's interesting is that this whole, this whole thing that Ehud stands up is somehow becomes the source for standing up for Kaddish. We know the custom of Ashkenazim is to stand up. When we say the name of Hashem should be great, Ehud's Eglon, this non-Jewish king, stands up. Gets up from his throne. So how much more should we get up? And Ehud sends his left hand. And he takes the sword. And he thrusts it into Eglon's belly. Even after the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed around the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly, the excrement poured out. He was very, very large. Now, nobody else was in the room, so Ehud closes the door behind him and leaves. Not only that, but he locks the door. And they see that it's closed. It must be that he's relieving himself. So they waited for a long time. That way, Ehud was able to get some time to leave. Finally, they opened up and they see that their master fell and died. However, Ehud had already run away, and he passed Psilim, and he ran to Seir. And it was, he sounded the chauffeur, and he knew that they were going to come after him. And the Jewish people joined him, and Nasan Hashem, Hashem gives the enemy into their hands. They captured them, no one was able to pass. They, hit, they smite these Moabites, 
10,000 men. Nobody was able to run away and Moab was humbled on that day and it was quiet for 80 years. So when we say it was quiet for 80 years, that means it sounds like there was no idolatry. Now, that's what's hard about reading the book of Judges is that when we read the Pesukim that it was quiet for this many years, so we gloss over this very quickly and we go to the next step of the cycle, which is idolatry. So it should be noted that the, the majority of the time, perhaps, the Jewish people were doing well. But as they say, no news is good news. So the, the Torah only reports uh, the need, you know, when things aren't going well. And to show you the idea of schar onish, reward and punishment. Now, we do have one more judge for this chapter. V'acherov Shamgar. We have Shamgar, son of Anas. He struck the Philistines, 600 men. And he too saved Israel. So again, we had this judge, Shamgar. Very short-lived uh, a judge only for about six months, according to most commentaries. Okay, that concludes our study of Navi for the day. As always, thank you so much for taking time today to study some Navi.